Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A variety of things on this wrap-up of a week that we're going to take a look at. And of course, what's going on with the spreads? And bases, this seems to be a, a hot topic amongst producers. Everybody's wondering what's happening, not only in their backyard, but maybe even a couple states away. We're going to find out more details about that. And of course, the talk of China as they are continuing to be in the market. We had a news story just earlier this week that talked about China and the continued growth that they're seeing within their hog industry. We welcome to the program Brian Split. Brian is with agmarket.net. And can we sum it up as it was just kind of a crazy week this week? It really was. Um, we've, we've saw a lot of volatility in the soybean market. Um, we saw some new contract highs made, uh, a pullback just to finish the week uh, near the highs of the week. Uh, we've got a, uh, a new high close for the uh, for the November soybean contract. We've got uh, new contract highs were made for December corn. Uh, we closed on the highs uh, at 419 and a quarter for the week, so we're really up against that major 420 psychological resistance. And as you mentioned, the spreads uh, are doing some amazing things that has a lot of people kind of sitting here scratching their heads. Uh, wondering, you know, how far these spreads are going to push. So let's talk about those spreads. What are you seeing when we look first off at this corn market? So it, it's it's almost a repeat of some of the conversations that you and I have had on the soybean spreads, uh, and now the corn market is doing it. So uh, if anybody's paying attention to the to the quote screen, it, it's no secret that there is no carry in the corn market. So December corn. Settling the week at 419 and a quarter. March is 420 and a quarter. May is 421 and a quarter. And July is 420 and a quarter. So the idea of storing corn to pick up carry is not there. Uh, so much like the soybean market, the market is, is trying to entice the producer to let go of bushels and allowing them the opportunity, if they want to maintain ownership of it, to do it on paper in a deferred contract at a price that is not substantially above the price that you would be selling corn out of the field. And so um, that is a definitely a bullish scenario, and I think it's being caused by one of several reasons and probably a few of them combined. Uh, number one, I think we've had a lot of producers started on beans early, sold them out of the field. Um, they have cash flow from their bean sales. We have government money that has hit checking accounts, whether it was market facilitation programs or COVID relief. And I think the producer, uh, by and large, uh, does not have a cash flow problem right now, and they really don't want to sell corn. They're looking at potential tax ramifications of if they do market some corn. But the market is trying really hard to get the producer to let go of some of these bushels right now. And from what I understand, the end users are scrambling in a lot of areas. And like you'd mentioned, basis is very strong right now. Spreads are strong. The market is trying to disincentivize the producer from putting this grain in their bin. So having said that, what are you hearing? Because you guys cover a lot of states. What are you hearing? What seems to be the main field, Brian, on these basis in the country? Basis, uh, I would say, across the board is much better than it typically would be at this time of year. Uh, I think a lot of times the producer is kind of used to the idea of getting the grain, putting it in their bin, and at the very least uh, storing it until December when there's usually a good basis push once grain is all in the bin and whatever bushels have been sold out of the field have been sold. 
we are not really seeing that type of selling out of the field like we would in, in previous years. Um, so the, the thing about basis and strong basis is it is somewhat of a, a game of chicken because at some point when the end user gets the coverage that they need, the basis backs off substantially. And probably the best I can illustrate that would be an anecdotal conversation I had with a couple producers this week in Arkansas that called me and said, hey, I just was able to lock in 35 over for bean delivery next fall. And once the uh, the facility got the amount of coverage that they needed, the basis dropped from that 35 over bid to then 20 over in a matter of seconds once they got the coverage they needed. So you're going to see that story play over and over again through the country where uh, the end user wants to have a certain amount of coverage. They are going to offer a good deal. But once those needs are met, that basis will collapse for that time frame. Now, that doesn't mean it won't come back down the road for future time frames. Uh, but every time you see that type of a deal, it's a game of chicken between you and your neighbors. Looking at the price uh, on the on the screen, I mean, soybeans November at ten eighty three and three quarters, uh, finishing a uh, Friday up ten. It just seems like every day we hit that new increment that we haven't seen in a while. Right. So we had the report uh, a couple weeks ago on the ninth, and we made new contract highs um, that weekend. We saw a substantial amount of producers selling on Monday uh, Monday's close after that Friday high. Uh, we found ourselves nearly 50 cents off the highs, and we've fought our way back up, made new contract highs here. When you look at the continuous chart, there definitely is some resistance in this 1080 vicinity, but uh, we've only been ele- above $11 once in the last five, six years, and when we did get through 11 we went right to 12 that month. So I think that's what we're kind of bracing for is if this market can get through 11 and I don't doubt that if it does, it's probably a component of uh, what the USDA has to tell us on November 10th on the next WASDE report. But we know that if the USDA reduces yield just a half a bushel per acre, that's roughly 40 million bushels of production that we're losing. That would take our carryout down to 250 million bushels without even addressing demand. Uh, and, and so every incremental loss in our in our balance sheet right now, a 40 million bushel loss when you're at 300 million bushel carryout estimate is going to cause a, a much larger move in the futures than a 40 million bushel loss when you're at a 600 million bushel carryout estimate. Come back, we're going to talk the impact that China continues to have on this market trade. More is coming up on the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Conversation recently has been uh, we, we know that China has liquidated their domestic stockpiles. Uh, they sold their stockpiles internally at extremely high prices. Uh, they have been replenishing that those stockpiles from the U.S at uh, what is is really low-end values for our own uh, domestic pricing structure. And uh, so the thought is, you know, how much do they need to still buy? Um, But I was reading a a report here um, from Rabobank that was recently released that they feel that uh, that these uh, purchases for China are not uh, flash in the pan and that uh, China's needs will continue over the next several years. Um, So that lends a, a sense of potential demand increasing moving forward. I don't know if it's if it's fair to compare this to soybean demand, but prior to the trade war starting, um, if you kind of track how soybean imports for China, regardless of destination, 
every year they were importing a little bit more. And so prior to the trade war, we were expecting imports to, to top 100 million tons. And so you have to wonder if we're going to be heading in that trajectory for corn now. Uh, and, and part of this is restocking uh, supplies for their domestic needs. But part of this, I think, is also you've got the, uh, the hog herd rebuilding. And so uh, this type of demand hopefully is going to be around for a little bit longer um, and so that we have to keep a very close eye on South America um, as their plantings have been delayed. Um, that pushes back the plantings for the safrina corn crop, which probably will actually be more affected than, uh, than the soybean crop uh, based on the delayed plantings. Uh, they have gotten rain recently, so they are back in the field planting aggressively. But, uh, you know, we're going to be watching a, uh, very closely the South American weather market and with a La Nina bias, that would tend to keep them dry down there. And if we stay dry and we look at yield revisions down the road, that's just going to continue to support the market as we head into next spring. Uh, and I would venture to say that that should also uh, lift these new crop contracts, which have been struggling as the, as the old crop contracts are making new highs, uh, because they don't want to get to the point where they're buying too many acres. But if South America does stumble, then those contracts will need to make new highs uh, to make sure that we have the the battle for acres that uh, that may be necessary. Well, you know, you talked about the the growth that we're seeing in in the Chinese hog herd. Um, obviously, the with everything that they've had going on there with weather and concerns, they got to go somewhere to get those beans to be able to feed those hogs. Right, um, and so generally they will be going to. Uh, the U.S. in a very front-end loaded export program, and that's the type of business that they were doing before the trade war. They got away from that, and they really avoided the U.S. for a long time and really depleted the Brazilian stocks. Uh, but now they're kind of back to their old pattern of really front-end loading their their bean needs from the U.S. And uh, whether they end up canceling some of these purchases down the road, uh, that may have everything to do with how successful the soybean crop is in Brazil. Uh, with good weather, they're going to raise a record crop on a record amount of acres down there. Uh, but again, that's why this, this weather over the next several months as we get into January and February is going to be so important. Well, let's talk about the move that we saw in the cattle market this week. What are the charts having to say about all these numbers? Charts really broke down this week. Um, the uh, The February contract is kind of the one that I've been focused on. And uh, we had a period of time from the end of July uh, all the way until mid-month this month where we were holding levels right around that 111 area and making highs up around 116.50. And we had a very nice sideways trading range. Uh, we broke down below the, uh, the low end of that. And um, when, we, when we did break down below support, the day we did it, live cattle futures were down 330 on the February, and we have saw the market close into new lows today. Um, so I'm watching some of the retracement points. Uh, the 50% retracement of the whole rally from the April lows to the highs comes in around 105.30. Uh, 62% retracement would be around 102.50. So somewhere in that rough $3 zone, I think, is, is an area where the market should be willing to try and come in and support the, the, uh, the live cattle futures. Uh, we are oversold, but we just kind of got into oversold territory this week, so that doesn't mean it needs to recover right away. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we could get a, ourselves over 109.50 that we might go take a look at that 111 again, but 
I think the first test of 111, if we do see it, is going to be sold into again. All right, Brian, sounds great. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? You can reach me directly at 815-665-0463. You can reach anybody on the agmarket.net team at 844-4-AG-MARKET, so 844-424. Thanks so much. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. That is a Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers on the Rural Radio Network. Hey, I'm Walt, and I live and farm in Unadilla, Nebraska. I like seed that's got a good track record. Every season has its ups and downs, so I do what works to control my risk. Walt has a vision for his season. At Fontenelle Hybrids, we're here to help him see it through. With locally tested products and homegrown experience, we'll help you build on what works for you. Get started at Fontenelle.com slash farm your way. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Walt is a paid actor and not a customer of Fontenelle Hybrids. 